Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to our very special 100th episode of the Kitchen Garden Magazine podcast. Coming up is a fantastic discussion about the last 100 years of gardening, but also a couple of very special interviews. First, we sit down with the lockdown sensation himself, Gerald Stratford. I had some potatoes called Rocket and I emptied them out and list up one or two photographs with the iPhone. An hour or so later, Stephen come back to me, he says your spuds have gone viral. And you'll have heard of him on the Jeremy Vine show on Radio 2, it's Terry Walton. I'm getting things make to raise beds here. I do Terry, I do. Oh my dear, that's, that's kiddie gardening. I love it though, it makes it easier for me. I'm getting <laughs> old Terry, I'm getting old. Stick around to the end of the episode to hear more from them, but first it's a chat with me, Emma and Tony. Right, hello and welcome everybody to um, a bit of a milestone uh, podcast, this one. We're, this is our 100th podcast, The Kitchen Garden Magazine. Um, so we thought we'd, we'd try and make it a bit special. We had a long think about what we could do based around 100 and we thought 100 years of gardening. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look back and... Um, so it's, a, it's a bit of a loose theme. We might we might wander a bit like we normally do. <laughs> but I'm here with Tony and Emma. Hello. And, uh, hi, guys. And, um, yeah, we're going to chat about gardening over the last hundred years. And for Tony and I, that, that won't be difficult because we can remember most of it, can't we, Tony? Yeah, we were there, I think, weren't we? Yeah, at the beginning, yeah. 1921. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, if you go if you go back to 1921, it was a very, it was a very different place then, wasn't it? A very different time. Um, oh, yeah. We're just coming out of the the First World War, so that was going to be a big influence on even still in the 19 early 1920s. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, obviously during the war there were uh, a lot of food shortages, uh, and there was sort of you know, using all sorts of bits of land, like bits of railway, you know, railway land, parks, gardens to, to grow food. So when yeah. in sort of like 1920, I think food was starting to be a little bit easier to get. Um, but because I think, you know, before the before the war, I think there was probably I think I read there was something like 600,000 allotments. But after the First World War, there was like 1.5 million. Mm. So, wow, you know, 
still a big thing, you know, allotments then was really big. But then, of course, they had a big housing boom sort of after that. They were building houses, a lot of housing stock, um, particularly council houses. Um, you know, um, basically they were sort of saying homes for heroes, um, for, for families of, of, of men that have been killed in the war. So, the, you know, there's a lot of house building and then a lot of these houses have big gardens. So, of course, there wasn't so much a need for allotments then because people were then probably gardening, you know, got their own plot of land at last, you know. Yes, mm. yeah. So, so you, you, um, you mentioned um, you mentioned railways there. And uh, when I was doing a bit of research on it, um, apparently uh, allotments were often next to railway lines because the land round railway lines, they couldn't do much with. They couldn't use it for agriculture or anything like that. So it made me think, because often when you, you do go on a train journey, it's quite often you'll see allotments by the, you know, quite close to the railway line. Yeah. Um, so uh, apparently it was for the railway workers. So, oh. um, and one interesting little fact that I found out was um, there's a chap called Percy James Atkins in 1922, and apparently had two wives. So he, he was a railway guard. <laughs> from Derby <laughs> I shouldn't laugh really but he was convicted for killing his wife and burying her on his allotment oh well I wonder how many times that's happened in the last hundred years yeah or buried the husband <laughs> yeah, more than once <laughs> <laughs> never know who you're going to find under the compost heap do you <laughs> well, I suppose yeah you're going to bury a body anywhere allotments are yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he was convicted and and um, and uh, hanged. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a lot yeah. of crime dramas, even today, centre <laughs> around the allotment, don't they? They end up with the with the forensics team digging up an allotment somewhere. <laughs> and and just a little fact about allotments, I found in in um, 1922. Then, I mean, we're in the middle in, of a pandemic today. Of course, there was a yeah. Spanish flu pandemic wasn't there as well which yeah um, well after the first world war if your husband didn't get you the spanish flu did then by so, the sounds of it no, that's <laughs> not new either but uh, i also found the the allotment act in 1922 it specified that a an allotment would be 40 rods which apparently is quarter of an acre it seems is that quite large no it's quite large um, isn't it? i think I think yeah. over the years they've got smaller, haven't they? Because they've kind of been yeah. reduced for more people because people can't cope with such a large size of allotment. They're making them smaller. But it was interesting because that, you know, that act, I think it was might have been the same act that yeah. was, would, would also try to protect allotments because I think, because as I said, there was so much house building after the First World War that they were actually sort of grabbing land, certainly in sit around the edges of cities and towns to build. So of course, I think mm. a lot of allotment land was lost. Mm. So where during the war there was a mass of every bit of land was used for growing food, then afterwards it was like needed for housing. And yeah. so a lot of allotments were lost. So I think they ended up, you know, this, this act came in to try and protect allotments a little bit more to mm. get, you know, mm. to stop them being grabbed, which has helped, I think, you know, obviously with protecting allotments over, over the years. Mm. You said yeah, there was yeah. a, a 1.5 million during the, the First yeah, World War apparently. or around, oh, around the First World Just after, yeah. And yeah. I had a look at seeing what, how many allotments there are today, and apparently there are 300,000 
plot holders across the UK at the moment. So that's a lot less than 1.5 million. And there are 100,000 on waiting lists. Because that's, that's wow. interesting, isn't it? Just how, how, the, how it's caught on, certainly in the last 10 years, probably, in particular. Yeah. Well, you see, that's the thing, isn't it? I suppose because after the wars, war years, I guess the First World mm. War, then people, if there were certainly, if people had more land or more garden areas to grow, there was not so much of a need for allotments. And I think also because mm. now food was obviously a little bit more readily available i think i think those those years those sort of 20s into the, up to the second world war i think mm. allotments really fell out of favor mm. um but it's quite interesting how um now i think because the houses that are being built in in this day and age have got very tiny gardens haven't they so mm. i think people mm. then want the want the land to grow so therefore they want allotments so therefore this yeah. i think there's, an, there's a new sort of resurgence in in interest in them mm. And this lockdown obviously has, has, has increased it even more, hasn't it, really? Yeah. Interesting growing your own. Yeah. Ooh, the demand always seems to follow the sort of social pressures and problems and um, like with the pandemic, isn't it? Mm. Everyone wants to, to get back to growing their own again. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is sort of in the early 20s was um, obviously, you know, a lot of young men had died in the war. So... You know, certainly the big houses, they, they, they I think they must have struggled for for skills after mm. the war because mm. a lot of men, men, men were killed. I mean, mm. I mean, classic was the Heligan, you know, the, the Lost Gardens of Heligan. Um, mm. I mean, that was a thriving garden um, before the First World War. And I think they had, I think 13 of their gardeners went to war. But I think, um, I think there's only about four that actually returned. Mm. So... You know, it's really sad that, and and you know, it must have been like that along with with a lot of big gardens around around the around the country that probably had to think in a very different way about mm. how they how they gardened. Um, so what the what did they grow in those days? Nineteen twenty one ish. What were what were the what was the well, favourite fruit what, and veg? What's quite interesting is it was still the staples. I think because I think mm. I think and yeah. I think this probably would have been influenced by the war years because. You know, then during the war years, they'd have really, really sort of homed in on, you know, the potatoes, your carrots, your, um, you know, your the cabbages. Mm. And I think, I think, interestingly, it, it, I, I imagine, I don't know, I'm just guessing, but you imagine after the war, there'd still be that kind of mentality of hang, you know, feeding yourself. So mm. I think you'd still be kind of growing those staples um, still. Yeah. But I think, Apparently, the catalogues were starting to show more interesting stuff coming in, I think, mm. in the 20s. So I think you were, you know, there was, there was starting to, there was a little bit more variety coming in. But you see then, you know, salads, the, what, what we grow today, we've got a lot of salads, don't we? Um, mm. And we're going into sort of aubergines and the peppers and the garlic yeah. and that sort of thing. Mm. I don't think that was really a big thing in the diets then. Mm. Um, do you think think they grew courgettes? I mean, I know you know there's a big mention of marrows in those days, but do you think they 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 you know do you think they picked them early as courgettes, or did you think they just let them grow into marrows? I kind of I, um, I think, the courgettes. I think mar marrows were really in, weren't they? Yeah, but not necessarily yeah. courgettes. No, I don't think. No. Um, no, I think more, much more recent trend, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think I came across something about that. Um, hmm. 
Oh, yes, I think it's, yeah, literally, I think courgettes probably started to come on the scene in the 1920s, I think, mm, what I mm, gather. Mm. I mean, obviously, in America, they were called zucchini, aren't they? So yes, whether yeah. they came mm. sort of from there, mm. um, but how they came to be called courgette. Yeah, mm. unless that's an Italian. Maybe an Italian. Italian thing? I don't know. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and I suppose the, the methods of growing were very uh, traditional. Well, we'd see them as very traditional. So you straight rows and you double digging in the winter or even triple digging, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, all, all yeah. weed. You mean you don't? Out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Manure yeah, every autumn. They would, wouldn't they? They'd have been much more. Mm. I, mean, I think allotments then would have been much more regimented, you know. I mean, you think mm. about what allotments today are like. When they've got a lot more young families and mm. and um, and I think a lot more women taking on allotments now mm. probably so they've gone a little mm. bit more kind of more like more like gardens and and with a more flowers and yeah. more of an informal yeah. informal look and and more nature orientated. Mm. Mm. But then of course in the nineteen twenties they were quite that was a very big thing wasn't it and it was nature was actually quite. Uh, sort of in vogue, you know, the, the arts and crafts movement. Mm. And the, um, I, I think it's interesting how that's kind of come full circle because that's very mm. big now, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Nature and mm. growing, yeah. growing with nature in mind. Yeah, it's much more of a hands-off approach now, isn't it, mm. than um, sort of blasting every, every insect that happens to cross over the, the allotment. My my dad's allotment, which we'd have, I'd have gone to in the sixties, it was it was very traditional. It was sort of straight lines: cabbages, carrots, potatoes. N- no flowers that I can remember. Maybe a couple of gooseberry bushes. Um, and that's you know I imagine that was very close to what it was. You know, even in nineteen twenties, probably wasn't much difference. You, you sort of wonder. You wonder as well whether in sort of nineteen twenty when because it was so close, well, it was soon mm. after the, the First World War. You wonder whether, because they probably wouldn't have grown many flowers during the war, because obviously it was, it was food was really mm. important, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. But you wonder whether the sort of village produce shows started to come back in the 20s, mm. and that's, that's when mm. you wonder whether then people started to grow more of the traditional flowers again, like the carnations and the roses. And mm. You can imagine yeah. those coming back mm. in on allotments, can't you? Mm. Yeah, 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 very much. I wonder what they did in terms of um, pest control and things like that. You know, yeah, I know there was an awful lot more. I mean, even when I was, um, well, thinking back to the 70s, an awful lot mm. more chemicals available, wasn't there, around mm. that sort of time. So if you went into a, well, if there were garden centres, garden shops, I suppose, then, yeah, yeah, <laughs> would have been shelves full of chemicals you'd never dream of using today um so yeah quite happy to to spray anything that landed um yeah so that's that's certainly changed isn't it mm. much more into allowing sort of predators and um, beneficial insects to to mop up the pests for us but mm. uh, fertilizers too that's i think that's changed quite mm. a bit more much much less using much less these days um you know perhaps using more organic fertilizers i suppose that's full circle as well really because perhaps yeah. during the war manure was was I, I, the only yeah. fertilizer you could get 
Mm. Yeah. Um, and animal-based manures, like blood, fish and bone, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, rather than sort of synthetic fertilisers that we've you know, got used to using through the 70s and 80s. I suppose mm. mechanisation as well. I wonder how that's changed. In some respects, probably not changed an awful lot with the gardening. Is there? I mean, we'll the, you know, the fork, the spade, the yeah, the tools are still there, aren't they? And in this pretty yeah, indispensable. I mean, there's been variations over the years of different angled tines and, yeah. and sort of. Oh yes, <laughs> we've seen um, lots of those, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the odd time missing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, coming, coming, up to, coming up to present time now with, you know, the new technology and, and what we've got, hat gardening apps, haven't we, on our phones? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Plant identifiers. Um, we've Automatic got irrigation, yeah, irrigation systems run by... Ro robot mowers. Robot mowers. <laughs> I mean, you know, what it'll be like in a hundred years' time, God knows. But uh, yeah, we're, you know, it's it's coming into the 21st century proper, isn't it, with uh, smart gardening and, uh, you know, I, I think people's views on it are probably mixed. I mean, I've been using some solar um, gardening things for our product reviews and, you know, they're pretty good, actually. They do save you a bit of time, you know, but obviously it's yeah. quite nice to go out watering as well, isn't it, On a at the end of a hot summer's day. It's quite pleasurable, but uh, if you're short yeah. of time, some of these things are quite good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit of a technophobe, really. I still prefer the old the old watering can. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it's lovely oh, that to... Would have been, that, would be very much case, that would have been very much the case 100 years ago, <laughs> wouldn't it? It would have been the watering can, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so much has gone full circle, isn't it? Um, it's a bit like compost as well. I mean, I remember mm. peak compost coming in. Probably, probably mm -hmm. in the 70s, I suppose, because they were supposed to be you know, obviously lighter weight and um, you couldn't get the loam to make the John Innes composts. Um, of course, now we've been encouraged not to use peat anymore. Um, oh, yeah. What did, what did you do before that? You know, it's like well, they yeah. must have managed before that, you know. I mean, using leaf mould and making their own compost. Homemade, again. yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. what we should be doing now, really, isn't it? I think. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah full circle, really. And I've started to. Well, I've gone back to. I've gone back to joining this compost again. Um, peat free one, but you know, making my own peat free. But um, yeah, so gone full circle. I'm looking up on the. I'm googling the formula for John Innes. I find. The original John Innes did have peat in it, didn't it? Or does have peat in yeah. it, but then you can get the peat-free, you can get peat-free alternatives. Yeah, I've been using coir in mine. So, I mean, that's something you wouldn't have uh, never heard of coir in the 70s, I don't think. Mm -hmm. So I started to use that. Um, yeah, I remember growing bags came in in, I think it was oh, about yeah. 1974. Mm -hmm. That was all, all new and that was high tech when they mm -hmm. came in. Make made growing your tomatoes a lot easier. Mm. Right, see, then I suppose going back a hundred years, it's, they'd be in the ground, wouldn't they? I mean, mm. you, wouldn't, mm. you just wouldn't oh, have yeah. Yeah. plastic pots and growing bags with you know covered in plastic. You'd have just they'd have been in the ground and yeah, yeah, yeah. digging out yeah. your um, border soil in your greenhouse every few years because you've got the diseases building up. 
or pouring some chemical on there, I suppose, to, to, kill it, to sterilize it. Mm. Yeah. Or steaming it. I mean, I mean, going back to tools, I wonder what, what kind of wheelbarrows were like in 1921. Were they wooden? Were they metal? I would yeah. imagine they probably would have been metal by then, wouldn't they? Because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not changed a great deal, really. No, not Poly a lot of pl- not, not a lot of plastic polytunnels. Probably not. Probably well, not. No. Well, I suppose glass houses. Magic mm. glass houses would probably be for the more well off, wouldn't they? Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. Like yeah. You know, your growing houses. Um, yeah. Yeah. Small, small domestic greenhouse, I suppose, if you had the cash. Mm. Yeah, uh, with 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 people having bigger gardens, probably it would that that would start to have brought in the smaller greenhouses, wouldn't it? For people that wanted Mm. wanted those. Yeah, probably more cloches, cold frames, that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh well. So. Shall we do this in a uh, hundred years' time and, uh, you know... Yeah, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wonder how it would change. I can't see gardening. Gardening does it. It's very slow to change, isn't it, really? Well, it is. you still got to get out there with your fork and dig. And yeah, yeah, you couldn't do away with those tools, surely. Can't, couldn't yeah. see them ever. I mean, they've been around for centuries, haven't they? We are funny as gardeners. Yeah, every new thing that comes forward, like F1 hybrid seeds, then we'll we'll suddenly decide, no, it's, you know, that's that's not the way to go. We want heritage. We want the old varieties Mm. back because they taste better or or whatever. Mm. It does seem to be a... It's one of those one sort of hobbies or one thing you do that sort of almost keeps going back, keeps harking back, isn't it? It keeps... Mm. Constantly going back. You end up going back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's because it's something very basic and fundamental and sort of almost, you know, it, it, it just harks back to that, you know, just growing your own food. It's just very simple, really, isn't it? And very basic. It and, and it basic always has instinct. been. Mm. Basic yeah. instinct. Basic yeah. instinct. Yeah, yeah. I think it should be. More going back to, as we've been saying, you know, gardening in tune with nature and more of a sort of hands-off approach is just so much better. Mm. Yeah, I think we're just going to see more of that going forward, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No, not at all. No. Well, it's it's, it's good for us, isn't it? Mentally, physically. Well, yeah, it's great. Certainly been good during lockdowns, isn't it? Well, that's that's mm-hmm. the interesting thing, isn't it? That's another point, actually, because gardening now for people is about stress relief, isn't it? It's about, mm-hmm. whereas going back 100 years, it was about food. It was about survival. Yeah. Survival, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. obviously, the war is survival. And then after the war, mm-hmm. it was still it was still almost in survival mode. But it was still it was it was also helping because, you know, money would have been extremely tight. There'd have been a lot of poverty. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, now we grow food because, I mean, not. I mean, it's so easy to go to the supermarket and get quite cheap mm. food, but we grow it more now for our mental health and physical health yeah. and well, 
and just for the sort of almost the spiritual spirituality of it, isn't it? It's it's kind of quite mm. a different way of way we grow now. It's quite different, really. But what are mm. the reasons why we grow? Yeah, mm. it just gives you that connection, doesn't it? With, mm. And the connection with to nature, nature and the connection to yeah, yeah. Very grounding, as it were. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, but it, yeah. But it's interesting how it's you say it's very different to probably a hundred years ago for, mm. for that reason. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, certainly, if anyone listening's got any anecdotes or stories they'd like to tell mm. us, then please do. You know, just send them in to us at Kitchen Garden. Um, you know, do we can email them to me. So it's just s dot s o t t at mortons m o r t o n s dot co dot uk, um, and we'd love to love to hear them. Um, you know, perhaps we can put some in the magazine and, uh, yeah, carry on the theme of how things have changed over the last hundred years and, and how you think they might change in the next hundred. Mm. Oh, well, that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting stuff. So if you've enjoyed this, folks, um, don't, uh, don't forget to look at our other podcasts. We've got some great ones coming up as well. We've got some clips um, of some really nice podcasts that we've got with uh, Gerald Stafford and Terry Walton, who you'll all know from um, the radio, um, from his uh, um, slots on the Jeremy Vine show as, uh, as the allotment gardener. I'm Dan Hayes, and joining me on this episode is the internet big veg growing sensation, Gerald Stratford. It's, a, it's not, quite the, uh, not quite the song by Hot Chocolate, it started with a kiss, but it started with a rocket potato, didn't it? A picture yeah. on it. So I, I joined Twitter in February 2019. Mm. And just because one or two friends who were gardeners said, go on tw- Twitter. And my nephew put me on Twitter. I didn't know how to. <laughs> so my nephew, Stephen, done it. Yeah. I tweeted one or two now and again and spoke to various people. And yeah. in May of 2020, I had some potatoes called Rocket ready yep. to be taken out of the greenhouse in a 30-litre bucket just mm-hmm. to see what I'd got. And one Saturday afternoon, we me and Liz done that hmm. and I emptied them out and Liz took one or two photographs with the iPhone yep. and I put them on board with something like my first early rocket well please yeah and a smile and Very nice. an hour or so later the phone started buzzing and ringing and doing all sorts of things yeah. and I said what's going on <laughs> I really well, didn't know what was going on what have I done? I've done Stephen up. Yeah. And Stephen come back to me. He says, your spuds have gone viral. Yeah. I, I, you know, at a later date, I found I'd gone from 96 followers to 9,000. Yeah. I think it was a misprint. And 78,000 likes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just escalated from there. Well, I think you're over a quarter of a million now, aren't you? Well, it's 
285.9. You're actually more popular than maybe Britain's most famous guard, the Monty Don. You've got more followers than he has. This is yeah. it. But this is the thing. People people it's like... That's it. It's not done by design. I just... It's just... Oh, no. I think that's why they like you, Gerald, because you, you come across natural. You don't put anything on. You show that, obviously, sometimes veg doesn't grow how you want it to grow. And I think people buy people. They don't buy a product, necessarily. They buy the person. And they just like you because you are who you are. You're no airs and graces. And you're just and you're, you're, you're Gerald Straff. And they, they like Gerald Straff. And I think I just, that's a homage to you as such. I just want to help people. I'm sort of a yeah. social person. I'm Yes, I'm slightly extrovert. You know. I think... Everyone is in their own way, as they say. But um, if I can give people happiness and pleasure, yeah, I would. I like your top, Gerald. No. Is that part? Of, is that Christmas, part of your... pre oh, Christmas I, present. <laughs> I I wondered if it's part of because I didn't know whether to call you um Gerald or Gucci because um you've got a little oh. time. <laughs> oh, I think it's, it's, the truth has come, my friend. You're uh, you've gone worldwide. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. Or is it they just chose you, or was it? Is it a match made in heaven? Yeah, so they um they got in touch. Must be sort of six weeks ago. Okay, yeah. Um, just a a girl from a company called Heisner Biety. Yeah, you know, filmmakers. Yeah, 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 yeah. People. And I spoke to somebody in Berlin, and then we had a Zoom meeting and another Zoom meeting with all the crew and all the yeah. important people. And the next thing, a limousine picked me up on Thursday night, took me off to a farm in Hertfordshire. I can't dis disclose no. that. <laughs> and... Uh, an incredibly hard two days. I, it was really hard work. Twelve-hour shifts. Yep. You know, not many breaks. But I was treated like royalty. They really looked after me. I can't knock them when I. Yeah. Opened. It was it was an experience for me because I've never. I'm not an actor or a model. No. Did you <laughs> get your own caravan? Pardon? Did you get your own caravan? Is it the star of the show? I have my I we we I have my own changing room and toilet. Oh, very. <laughs> yeah. You know you now. You've you've definitely made it. Um, my own dresser, people dressing yeah. me, and makeup artists, and <laughs> oh, fun. Well, it's it's a, it's a nice thing to do. It's a bit different. It's not. I dare say oh, you'd never imagine life you'd be doing that. But so I think it's a nice thing to do. Yeah. I loved every minute of it, and it it opened my mind to models' work are not easy. Oh no, it's so hard. Yeah, there it's was hard. Two there was two young females: one New Zealander, one Chinese, hmm. uh, one Canadian lad, and a lad from. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. England, UK, yep. and they worked their butts off, yeah. you know, non-stop, you know, and, and it was it was cold. It was incredibly cold. And yeah, that's the thing about pitches. They don't always convey the, um, it's like you can be watching something on telly or Gardener's World or something, and it doesn't, the sun might be out, but it doesn't mean it's warm, but you've still got to look, how happy and smiling. I had this dressing going on over the top of what I was wearing with hot water bottles and hand warmers in the pockets. Um, nice. I mean, I'm a man. I can take the cold yeah. to a point. But these young girls who were modelling, you could see they were frozen to the bone. Yeah. But they didn't, you know, they kept a smile. Yeah. We're working with a big star, Gerald. This is it. It's probably... Uh, Happiest day of their life so far, I'd imagine. Why not? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to this latest episode of the On the Grapevine podcast. I'm Dan Hayes, and today joining me all the way from the Rhondda Valley, keeper of the official BBC Radio 2 plot, Terry Walton. You've had your jabs, Terry, but how's the hand? Because obviously you had an accident a few weeks ago, didn't you? Yeah. Can you actually see it there, look? Or not see oh, it? Just, just at the bottom of your wrist. No, it's there, look. Uh, see the dirt one on. It's, I can't, can't work this one. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a, at the base of the thumb. Oh, yes. Oh, it's very yeah, neat, Terry. A very pale scar. Yeah, the, the plastic surgeon did a fine job. Oh, because of that, only six, six weeks ago... It shot rather badly. It was a big operation to remove all the shards. Didn't yeah, damage yeah, yeah. any nerves. Cut through the muscle, and it's all all working as good as any puppet, though. Mm, look at that, Terry yeah, the puppet Because what was it? Was it one of those old terracotta pots or something? Yeah, yeah. I I've been down. It had been raining. The lawn was soft. I thought I'll spike the lawn because yeah. it's nice and soft now. So I spiked it all. Of course, I had trainers on. I got a crazy paving path, and it's on a slope. As I stepped uh-huh. up, my foot started to go. I tried to save myself, came down, 
Uh, and the only thing on the other side of the path was a terracotta pot, which had been frosted. So as I, ah. my palm, my hand, it, it shattered, and the shards went in there. So I could see it was quite bad. It was like a, like a lip. So I evolved yeah. to the local hospital, which is two miles away. He did x-ray in the house. He said, well, that's plastic surgeon job. All those bits got removed. So I had a dash over to Swansea. My son ran yeah. over, spent the night. They operated the following morning. I came home and then I came. Am I right in thinking the um, the plastic surgeon realised who you are by hearing your voice and went, oh, I would recognise your voice? It was strange because I, I went into the into the operating theatre on the Monday morning and she said, I've never, I've never operated on anybody famous. Oh. Said, what are you talking about? She said, you that Terry Walton of Radio 2. I always listen to you. And then uh, a colleague who was assistant said, he's not Terry Walton. We've got to be look after him, she said. So <laughs> the two surgeons were operating, both were listeners to Radio 2. There you go. And then, and then the fortnight after I, I had everything cleared up, we did a show on with Jeremy Vine, with the plastic yep. surgeon. What had happened to my hand? Yeah. And she came yeah, on no, air with I, me. So, got any big plans for the plot this year, Terry? Are you going to do anything new on it? Not, not a great deal. I mean, I'm, I'm going back to a few things I haven't grown for a while. I'm going back to growing kohlrabi. Yeah. I've gone for the giant Prague celeriac this year. I, I, I love celeriac, but I can never get a decent root. Now, I was mm. talking to Andrew Topley, who used to work at... Oh, yeah. Um, he's now at the head of uh, horticulture at uh, King Seeds. And oh, yeah. uh, he sent me a package of these giant Prague's. I'm going to go for some big celeriac. But beyond that, I I mean, the, plot, the plot is filling too damn quick at the moment. That's the trouble. Well, no, it's, it's a bit... I mean, I've got to create a new plot because I've moved house, so I've got one. I've got to create a home, so I'm a little yeah. bit behind, should I say. I'm just waiting for my uh, oak boards to come. So I'll right. get there. But I should be watching you want, Twitter for you want, your Celeria. Huh? What do you want, Dickham? What's oh, coming to board? Oak boards, yeah. I'm getting You're not going to make these raised beds, are you? I do, Terry, I do. Oh, dear, that's, that's kiddie gardening. I love it though. It makes it easier for me. I'm getting old, Terry. I'm getting old. Hey, what are you doing to my bit... age? And you, you need raised beds six foot high. Well, yeah, no, I just I raise them up. And look, I did them before because my old allotment used to flood quite easily, and it yeah, did right. lift them up. And they are a yeah. good way of making your soil what you want. But yeah. I, I mean, there's a the big the no dig, don't they? Yeah, the no dig. I said I've interviewed Charles Dowding. He's a lovely bloke. Lovely to chat to. Um, but yeah, there's that thing about no dig. But bottom line is, not everyone's. I'm, I mean, he's very clever how he does it. He does dig stuff, no dig next to it, and says, and here's the difference. Yeah. But yeah. the problem with it is, the only problem, I like it, but you've got to be able to get hold of a lot of compost. And if you if you can't get hold of that sort of quantity of compost to keep putting it on, it could be, it also be quite expensive because it's all right if you've got a load of horse muck. But if you yeah. live where I live, there's not that many stables because they tend no. to buy them up and build houses on them. And, um, yeah. and it can get quite expensive. I mean, the um, there's a place near me called the Compost Centre. They're well yeah. renowned. They deliver to RHS, um, Wisley and everything like that. But they can't yeah. actually get hold of stuff quick enough, Terry. They can't no, make it quick right. enough to sell it. And that's the problem. Again, see, uh, I could never go that way because two-thirds of my ground in the winter is green manured. So, yeah. you know, I could, yeah, I could smell of that with cardboard and let it die back naturally. But um, I like mm. to dig that in and put those nutrients back in again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if there's a right answer or wrong answer. I think it's whatever suits you and your situation. Yeah. What and is I, the same as organic and not organic yeah. gardening? 
You do you do what you enjoy. We don't dictate you what you can do, what you can't do. No. No. And I think it's, it's the um, growing f- growing vegetables is you don't do it because it saves you money because I think it's been long proven. It probably doesn't save you money on a lot of things. You Not do it because you enjoy it and, and the choice and the variety you get. Well, again, I mean, it's, it's still to me a major hobby. and yeah. But it's a hobby that gives me a return. I mean, if I was mm. playing golf or things like that, it would cost me a fortune every year and I take mm. home nothing. This one doesn't yeah. cost me a fortune. I spend many hours, gives me all I need in life, plus a basket yeah. full of veg. So we never yeah. buy veg. Yeah. And but if I took nice it my hours, I would be well below the minimum wage. Oh, yeah. Well, this is it. And, and Anthea gets some nice flowers out of it as well, to be fair, Terry. Well, I have to do that simply to keep the peace. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. of all the veg I grow, the only thing that keeps her happy is a damn good bunch of flowers. Shocking. Shocking. Hello. Yeah. Nice collection of leeks. Wouldn't do it then, Terry? No, 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 no. I bring home a basket of veg with a bunch of flowers yeah. on the top. The bunch of flowers goes off. The basket of veg yeah. is left in the kitchen. <laughs> Fair enough, Terry. You, you've got you've got your head screwed on. Well, yeah, so, I mean, it, it gets me brownie points. That's what counts. Thanks for listening to our very special 100th episode. Make sure to stay tuned in the coming weeks for the full interviews with Gerald and Terry. Well, thanks, team. Some interesting things there. Um, and of course, visit our website, www.kitchengarden.co.uk. And if you'd like to subscribe to the magazine, always, as always, we've got some great subscription offers and offers of free seeds, etc. Um, if you go to www.classicmagazines.co.uk, um, you can subscribe, and of course, then you never miss a, never miss an issue. It's just delivered straight to your door. And we'll talk again very soon. Okay, bye. 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 Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 